I think all of us in life are, uh, I think we're pretty accustomed to physical boundaries, aren't we? Like, you, in your house or your apartment, there's boundaries, right? Your place is your place. You got walls. You got a door. You just don't take your uh, key and give it to your neighbor, and they just come in whenever they want and eat your food and sleep in your bed. I mean, that's just, you just wouldn't think to do that, of course, unless they're family or that close to you. But you, you just don't. And so in your house, you've got a fence, right? And you, or you've got hedges, or you, everyone knows the property line. I'm, I mow and water my side of the grass. You will mow and water your side of the grass. Uh, your dog does business on your lawn, and mine will do business on our lawn. Your kids play and destroy your house, but they're not coming over and destroying my house, right? Is that not logical? Like, that's just natural. Yeah, right. <laughs> Some, somebody's had violations in those areas. So we see signs all the time says violators will be prosecuted, you know. No trespassing. Don't park here or we're going to tow your car away. Private property, keep out. And we understand that in the physical realm, but we don't really practice that in our personal lives. We, we just, especially in Christendom, in church life, suddenly you, you come to know the Lord as our baptizees have had, and, and then next thing you know, you're, you're confused. Like, oh, I'm supposed to deny myself and, and sacrifice and surrender and submit and all those things. And, and then we just, we don't have any fences. And so people are wandering in our space and they're doing horrible things in our space and we're maybe wandering into other space because we don't know the boundaries. And it's really hurting us. It hurts us spiritually. It's not just on a, you'll get something practical out of this for your life, even if you don't know him. But, and, but we're taught in growing up in boundaries and personal life that, especially in today's society, you cannot hurt other people. That's a boundary, right? You can't hurt people. So it's a boundary. You don't hurt me. I don't hurt you. We saw that growing up. Anyone here remember an old show called The Andy Griffith Show? Yeah, yeah, it's a great show. Great show. Uh, and it's an oldie. Those that don't know, I'm, I won't go into it for you. It takes place in North Carolina. It's a southern folks and a sheriff and a guy named Barney Fife who, who plays the deputy. And um, those guys were like the biggest liars in the world. I, I don't know if you ever saw that. Like it was a good wholesome show, always a good message at the end. But constantly, they were like covering up and not saying things for fear of hurting somebody. Like, oh, we can't tell Aunt B that her pickles are horrible and she shouldn't put them in the pickling contest. And so by lying to them, her and Barney are sitting there having to eat jars and jars of pickles because she keeps making more because she's, they said, we just love them. We love your pickles, B. And they don't really love them. But nobody had the heart to, to hurt her and to sting her and tell her the truth. To go through it. We saw it in Barney. Barney couldn't sing his way out of a paper bag. But yet they told Barney, you're doing good. Nobody could tell him you don't belong in the choir and you shouldn't have a solo. And so they went through this whole charade of, of having to protect Barney's feelings by dubbing in a voice behind him at the, at the, at the concert, at the choral group. Those are like perfect examples of how we perpetuate this thought that you can never hurt anybody at any cost. But the truth is, it's costing you not to be hurt 
and not to sometimes inflict hurt. And I'm talking about intentional. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about those of you in here. We've got a few of you that are truth trained. You know what a truth train is? They've got all the truth at any time, no discernment, just drive the train right through your life, right? We're not talking about that. that that's not it. But I'll give you a current example. In, in some cities in the United States, they have uh, taken down the boundary on theft. They've decriminalized theft under a certain amount of decriminalized. And what happened naturally, when you take down the boundary of you say anything under $900, we're not going to prosecute you, what do you think happens? You took down the fence and invaders come in and do great harm. So what do you have today? Naturally, you've got major big box stores and pharmacies and five and dimes, you know, stores just leaving like crazy out of these cities because somebody lowered a boundary. And so while the boundary was lowered so that it wouldn't hurt certain people, it actually caused great harm. Harm is something more permanent to many more people than those that were sparing from the hurt. And that is, we do that in our own life, that we, we have boundaries that we think we're doing well and we're not. And I'm, we're just, we're going this direction um, because it's so important for us and it's so needy. And I tell you, somebody has been around in church life for as many years as I have. I know for me personally that I have been a boundaryless person. And I know, the, and I know what it looks like when I see it. And I know how harmful it is to us spiritually. And so from the heart, I would like to spare as many of you as possible from some of the damage and some of the hardship that I personally have had to suffer for this confusion over putting fences and walls up in our life. We will learn from this that when we went to say yes, and we will learn how to say no. I mean, you're thinking like, I can't say no. Yes, you can. You're going to regain your true identity. I want to thank uh, Drs. Cloud and Dr. Townsend for their great work in this area of, of instilling boundaries. They took their course many years ago in church and found it very helpful. Didn't practice it, and that's the thing here. So I, I just happen to know from experience that even if you're a great therapist or psychologist in the room today, or you've been to a great therapist and psychologist and you know all about boundaries, you read the book on boundaries, I know because how difficult it is that most of us have not been successful at enforcing the fences around our lawns. That is a fact, guys. So, so Leona, Leona is a faithful Christian. She's a great mother, She's loved by everybody that knows her at work. She's a great employee. They love her at church. She's up every day for school days at 6 a.m. She gets the kids out of bed and she fixes breakfast for the children. She makes their lunch and off to school. And that one morning, the husband throws her shirt and he says, would you iron my shirt for me? And of course, like she always does in order not to make a scene because he doesn't like to hear the word no, she goes and irons his shirt. Leona also that morning has to finish mending a costume for her daughter's school play. She had planned to do it the night before, but as she was leaving the office at 5 o'clock, her boss came to her like he often does at the last minute and says, I've got a PowerPoint presentation, and I need your help. Please, Leona, would you, would you fix this and edit it for me? And his edits, by the way, in Leona's mind, is he's horrible at presenting things, and so it's going to be like four hours of work. And she says, of course, I'll do that for you. When do you need it? Nine o'clock the next morning. 
She skips her morning devotionals as she's becoming more and more in the habit of doing in her time with the Lord because she just doesn't have time and people don't understand because like her husband is demanding, her kids require a lot of attention. She applies her makeup in the car and she arrives late at a meeting at work and she tiptoes in and everyone of course is looking at her and she whispers under her breath, horrible traffic. The phone rings at lunch hour where she gets her break and she had planned on having a nice peaceful lunch and doing her devotionals then and phone rings and she could see who was calling and it's, it's a woman from the church who's just one of those very needy people. And she's got complete, con- constant, chronic, same problems over and over again, never learns, bad decisions. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are that person. Some of you know that person, right? Don't go looking at them right now. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. When she looks at the phone and she says, well, for my husband, of course, the Lord wants me to submit. And so I'm just, I'll do that because it's for Jesus' sake. She looks at her phone and she says, I I just got to pick this up. I mean, love carries the burden of the week, doesn't it? So she picks up the phone and consuming almost her entire lunch hour, she listens to this woman go on and on about the same things that she always goes on, just a different title to it. So she has to rush for her lunch and she eats fast food and she's trying to avoid doing that because she's been gaining weight and doesn't like it, can't seem to take it off. But here she is again, just shoving a quick meal into her body. At five o'clock, she's got a a parent-teacher meeting with her son's teacher, and she's nervous about that. So far, the rest of the day has gone pretty well, but she gets to the meeting at five o'clock, and the teacher looks at her and says, "Uh, we're having real issues with your son. She goes, what is it? And she said, well, anytime we tell him to do something, we give him instructions, he throws a tantrum and just won't do it. And, and he's obstinate. And we ask him any little thing, he, he just won't yield to it. And we've tested him for ADHD, and we've tested him for other disorders, and he doesn't have any of those. He's totally clear. And then she asks the hard question. She goes, so, Leona, um, how, how, are, how is your home life? Ouch. And she goes, in tears down her face, she goes, my son is the exact same way with me at home. On her way home, Leona does what she does on that day of the week. She stops by and visits her mom. Her dad had passed away 10 years ago. She goes to see her mom and tells her mom, she goes, Mom, I'm not going to see you this Wednesday. I've got such and such to do. And mom does what she's been doing since dad died and throws a tantrum in the way of a guilt trip. And she says, oh, since your father died, I'm just so lonely, 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 lonely all the time. And she can't say no to her mom, and so she said, Of course, I'll come Wednesday, and she blows away her Wednesday plan. At night, a church staffer calls Leona and asks her to fill in for Amy, who over the women's weekend coming up next week, and Amy can't do it, so would you you take over and run the, be the director of that for us, please? Thank you, Leona. And Leona, of course, looking at it, goes, you know, the Christian life demands that I deny myself and carry my cross. And I guess this is just another opportunity to carry my cross. I was looking forward to going to that event because I needed refreshing and, and my faith renewed. But it looks like I'm going to shoot out another weekend. And she said yes. Of course, she didn't know that the woman had two other women to call. She called Leona first because she knew she was an easy yes. 
And the other two probably would have said yes also. So Leona's got in the habit of asking her women's group to pray for her. Specifically, she asked them, would you pray for my husband? He has these issues. Would you pray for my son? Would you pray for my mom? Would you pray for this woman at church? What Leona doesn't know is that Leona is the one with the problem, and somebody needs to be praying for her. It is not her husband. It is not her son. It is not her mother. And it is not the woman at church. Leona has poor boundaries, and they're rooted, and just as a refresher, they're rooted in strongholds and shadows in our life. So those of you that are joining us into this and didn't get to hear it before, I just want to define a stronghold and what a shadow is. A stronghold is a lie, any lie that has a stronghold of me. It's something I believe that's not true, but it holds me and it influences my decisions. In a stronghold in particular, in a spiritual realm, evil rides in on that and takes advantage of that lie in your life to take you away like poor Leona. Shadows are past experiences that influence present and future behavior. It's what happens in your past. Leona believes that happy people, in order to be happy, she needs to please people. They must like her. There must never be conflict because she had a contentious upbringing in her house. And so she doesn't want conflict in her house because that's what she grew up with. She wants peace, and that's what she always dreamed of happening when she married. Leona's husband was strongly pampered by an overbearing mother growing up who was a single mom, felt guilty for it, and compensated by letting him do whatever he wanted. He did not take no for an answer. He was accustomed to having his own way. He learned that throwing adult-looking tantrums and pushback at home and at work would give him control, and people would generally do whatever he wanted just to avoid the conflict, and he was right most of the time. The son had learned watching dad's example and knowing that mom was a mush pie, that she could yell and scream and say all that she wanted, but she was never really going to do anything and he would never experience any pain. So he just got used to it and took his good talking to and let it go at that. What Leona needs is a safety fence around her life or Leona is going to continue living a life of resentment and anger. She resents her life. She resents the people in her life. She is angry at herself for not standing up and saying no. Leona will never realize her true identity and what God made her to be until Leona learns to put a fence around her life and a boundary that's healthy and one with a gate that will let people in and let certain people out. Jesus had a boundary, and I want to show you some examples, and there are many, I'm just for the sake of time, just giving you a few boundaries we see in scriptures. Jesus was very popular in the crowds and his ministries at a height, and anybody else in the natural would say, you, you got to strike while the iron's hot, so you're going to do ministry, uh, and people want it, you just stay until the very end, and you got to die to yourself until utter exhaustion. But Jesus did not do that. Jesus says in, in Matthew 15, 39, Matthew looks, large crowds around him, and it says, and sending away the crowds, Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. He got away in a boat when the crowds were thronging for him. It says further in Luke 4, he says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. 
The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. In other words, they tried to keep them in their yard and invade his. And God would not have it. Whether you know it or not, God has a boundary and a fence around his kingdom. There are certain things he does not want in his fence. Paul went through great lengths to explain the church about church discipline and says you need to expel the brother in other words you need to open the gate and let certain out because you're in God's yard and you don't do his your business in his yard Jesus was willing to hurt feelings whenever a spiritual truth was at stake and we should learn that lesson he didn't harm them and I'll explain the difference in a moment he hurt them most of you know the story of Mary and Martha Mary's about, she, she's the one at Jesus' feet. She just loves him. You kind of picture her as a romantic. He's at the house. She's, he's the Lord, and she's at the feet. Martha is a busy, 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 busy person. She has to do everything, and she's probably an enabler, and she's getting it all done. She's doing the dishes, and she's resentful in anger, and here's what happens. She says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations. This is Luke 10:40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made for this dinner party. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, what Jesus says next, and you've you got to have brothers and sisters to appreciate what's about to happen here. Because you've got siblings, you're going to understand the hurt that's just going to be about to be inflicted. Jesus says in the kindest way possible, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. There's a message in that, by the way. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Here's the hurt. Mary has chosen the better. Your sister is doing better than you are. Hey, look at your sister. She's doing this right, but you're not. Now, many would contend that that causes psychological permanent harm and you shouldn't do it. But God did it. He knew that she needed some hurt in order to get the message that would create for her a future where she would establish a true identity with the Lord, put her on her knees. Jesus knew what was more important. And for the more important, he was willing to do the hurting. Paul gave a very clear, clear boundary that is ignored by many in charities these days. He gave a clear boundary about who gets to eat. Here's what he said. Listen, it's a boundary. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. We gave you this fence. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. In other words, the church has got all of this. They got these funds, this benevolence. We're helping out the poor. We're doing that. But don't help those who are able to help themselves. It's a boundary. It's a boundary, guys. Paul also defined which widows qualified for church to support and went to support and gave great lengths to create a boundary. Hey, don't help those who have family. Don't help those who are going to be remarrying. Help those who are absolutely unable to help themselves. Paul gave Timothy a boundary. You know what it was? He says, hey, um, here's your boundary, Timothy. Don't let anyone despise your youth. 
when you go someplace and they start to talk you down, like, what do you know? You're young. You have nothing. Youngin, I could tell you things. You are to stand up and be about God's business and continue the mission that he has given you through the laying on of hands. You, Timothy, must maintain the boundary of your esteem, your purpose in life, your call in life. And brethren, we need to learn to do the same. Jesus delivered hurtful truth to, deli- to religious leaders. I think you know that, that he delivers truth. Disciples turned to him at one point when they said, Jesus, um, do you know that this, is, this isn't going over very well? My paraphrase. This isn't going over very well, that stuff you're saying to them. And Jesus is like, yeah, okay. Because he knew there was something greater at stake. He would rather hurt them than them to be forever in destiny apart from him in a place called hell. That was more important. The hurt was to get them to the help. Now, because of all the confusion, I just want to explain hurt and harm to you. It is okay to lovingly and humbly hurt someone, but it's not okay to harm them. We can hurt other people. Hurt is temporary. Hurt that is by love and for biblical purposes is to build somebody up and make them more Christ-like so that they get it. They don't always. Harm is long-term, and it's not for their long-term good. It's just psychological harm. Many of you have been harmed over the years. So we get a confusion. Hurt is temporary. Harm is long-term. So denying ourselves, this is what love of Christ is, and many have this confusion here, like, yeah, I, and I, for years, I, like, wondered, what does it mean to sacrificially love for others? Does that mean that you're the proverbial, just lay down my life for whatever, and whoever comes your way, you just give them whatever, and whatever they want, whatever time they want, they just evade your lawn, do their business there, and go. Is that what it means? I'm going to give you a definition that I hope will help you as it's helped me. I'm going to tell you what love looks like from a biblical standpoint. Denying ourselves to do for others what they cannot do for themselves is showing the sacrificial love of Christ. Denying ourselves to do for others what they cannot do for themselves is showing the sacrificial love of Christ. The key words in there are what they cannot do for themselves. That is bearing the weaknesses of other people. It's the difference between enablement of somebody who can get better and somebody who's weak and cannot. Each person must take personal responsibility for their own life, and that's where it starts with everyone here today. All of you online joining us, it starts here. We must take personal responsibility for our lives. It says in Galatians 6, 5, each one should carry their own load. Each person has a load to carry. You have your own boulder. That's yours to carry. You do not go to your neighbor and say, hey, would you carry my load for me? There are people that would love to do that. Those of you that have been through recovery, you, you understand that maybe for a while before you got to your sobriety and you got clean, that there were people helping you along the way carry your load for you. So you did not feel the pain until you bottomed out. They did you no favors. It was well-meaning. It was in from the heart, but not any favors. God has a fence around his yard, and you and I are to have one as well. And just remember, it was Satan who persuaded Eve to violate the fence. 
Failure to have clear boundaries will limit your enjoyment of life and your spiritual fruitfulness. That's just a fact. If we don't get this part, and that's why we're going here in this part of Unstuck. I just want to give you an example from Scripture. I think it's a poignant one. You remember Moses? The great guy, right? Called by God. He's up there. He's in God's presence. He comes down just glowing with God's glory. People can barely look at him. He's got to veil himself. I mean, he is the guy. He is God's guy. He's doing miracles, or at least he's asking God. God's doing the miracles. And he gets a visit. Jethro gets a visit. He's a big shot now. People are lined up. You can just picture in the morning, from morning until dusk, people are lined up at his tent wanting to him to judge matters of personal concern. They're talking a million-plus people. Jethro, his father-in-law, comes, and he sees this long line, and he sees him sitting on this thing and him burning himself day after day. And he asks this question. He says, hey, Moses. I'm just, I don't know why I use that accent, but it sounds right. Oh, what is it this you're doing? I don't know why. He's Italian. Um, that's just what I see when I look at it. Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Why are you doing this? And you know Moses being human like we are probably has some significance issues here, right? Like all these people need me. I am their only help. Jethro goes on. Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And if I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing, Moses, is not good. Ouch. Whoa. Hey, who are you, Mr. Father-in-law of Zipporah, unknown shepherd guy from far away? God didn't call you. I've never seen you in God's presence with the glory shining. You never wore a veil. You never did a miracle. You're just a smelly shepherd. And you're telling me that what I'm doing is not good? I mean, you just, you just arrived on the scene here. Can you hear it? And Moses, it doesn't say, I'm just putting this in because all of us are born of the same stuff, aren't we? We all got the same stuff. That, that he, he's very likely he had some significance issues and he needed maybe some validation in his life. I mean, he did get a... He did get tossed out of Egypt thinking he was doing well, right? I love it. And then Jethro goes on. He says, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. In other words, Moses, this is not sustainable. It is not going to last. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. What Moses has done is he had a, he had a boundary. He had a wall, and he walled himself in. What he needed, and Jethro says, you need a gate, and you need some people in with you to support you. He had a boundary problem. And Jethro comes on and says, I'm going to give you the results of you, Moses, doing this, putting this boundary up in your life. You're going to be able to carry this load ongoing, and the people are going to be good. That's the assurance. They're going to be fine. All those takers, all those people, the ones that are even in the line, every single day they got an issue because they want to meet with Moses. They're all, the one, they're all going to be fine. You're going to train up some other guys, and they're going to share the burden with you. Now, you know that when that happened, there are people that were Moses-only people, correct? Like, I, I only want the big man, so I'll wait. 
And Moses had a boundary. He says, no, I, you know, my hours are 11 to 3. And if you want, you can go over to these guys who have been trained up and hear from the Lord like I do. The challenge is that our current society frowns on fences. And that is in us. It frowns on fences and boundaries. It frowns on hurting people. A personal boundary is like a no trespassing sign on your life. Violators will be prosecuted. Some of you in this process of the hurt process, you yourself are going to have to deal with rejection. It's not going to be easy. But I want to give you just advice. I'm going to talk to your parents for a moment. Talk to your parents. Hard lesson. We did not learn this right away. <laughs> you got to stop interrupting the sowing and reaping process. You got to stop interrupting. It's a law. God's got a law. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. This life or the next life or both. He says it in Galatians 6-7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A woman reaps what she sows. So let me give you a current event example in how society is reframing this in our mind and so that we don't go that road. And I, this is not a political statement, a side statement. It's just stating what's a very current event statement. So we have an NBA, a WNBA star who uh, took a, a vape cannabis into Russia that was clearly forbidden to be in there. She was arrested. I'm not commenting on how, you know, onerous and undeserving she was of the crime she had or even to be put in jail. It says that she violated the law and she went to their jail. Since then, she has been made a hero. Um, she's offered a book deal, and her book will be coming out soon. She has speaking engagements now, and she's voted most influential person by some big organization. On the opposite end of that, you have another woman, along with other women joining her, who have put their foot down on biological men competing in professional women's sports. Not only is she not a hero, she's a villain. She had a boundary. She said, enough is enough. We have a boundary here. She's not being rewarded for her stand. She's making a group of people feel bad about themselves. When we set boundaries, brethren, someone is going to be unhappy. Wherever you set them, there will be unhappiness around you. That's what happens. That's why it's hard. That's why very few people do it. That's why Christians don't do it because of all this confusion about sacrifice and surrender and deny oneself and carry one cross and deny myself. It's just easier to be the doormat for people than to have a clear boundary. But I'm going to give you the most important boundary, the most important boundary you can have. This is just opening. We're going to be talking in this in detail going forward in the future. The most important boundary we have is the word no. It's a very confrontational word. It's actually a negative word. It creates conflict. There are people like Leona's husband who did not accept the word no. We saw that in the word in James, in James 5.12, above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. No is an option. I'm just putting that out for those who don't live that life. Like a fence, Words set clear boundaries in our life, so we start with words. I will do this. I will not do that. 
I will go there, I will not go there. Those are boundary statements. Leona lost her boundaries along the way. I like the way Dr. Townsend gave, uh, and by the way, thanks to Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend again for all their, their input on this. I'm sure along the way I'll be pinching um, some of their scenarios that they give from their clinical uh, experience. But Dr. Townsend gave one. He says, I, I said, I, imagine the Good Samaritan. Some of you know the Good Samaritan story? Good Samaritan comes by. He's the one that comes by and he helps a, he helps a guy beaten and robbed along the road, right? And, and he takes him and he pulls money out of his pocket and he puts him in the end. He goes, I want you to imagine that this is what a cross boundary looks like in that scenario. He said, so in this case in the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan puts him in the end. He puts him in his room. He gives money to the innkeeper and says, I'll be back after I do my business. And the man that's in the bed goes, oh, before you go, um, please don't go. I need you here. I mean, aren't you supposed to deny yourself anyway? Isn't this about chesed and God's mercy? So would you, would you stay with any guilt him in this day? Three days later, the, the good Samaritan gets a letter from the guy he was going to do business with who was selling camels to. And he says, um, hey, I'm sorry, but I, I can't wait for your camels any longer. I bought them elsewhere. And so naturally, the Samaritan yells at the man that he had been helping. And he says, I can't believe what you did to me. You cost me an important business deal. But the truth is, it wasn't the Good Samaritan. I'm sorry, it was the Good Samaritan. That's the one. It was his problem. It wasn't the guy in the bed. He couldn't say no. So we will learn to take personal responsibility as a people. If you're a blamer in the room, and I know we have blamers, and we have people that take on blame that doesn't belong to you, you carry around blame for everybody else because that's just going to be less conflict and it's easier to do. Others of you who just can't, you deflect blame on it. It's always somebody else's fault. If you're a blamer, you have a boundary problem. If you're a person who takes on blame that even not yours, you have a boundary problem. Leona had to get her parameters in place. So when she gets healthy and well, you know what her life is going to sound like if we repeat that day? She's going to look at her husband and says, Honey, I really love you. And I iron shirts on Saturday. All my ironing is Saturday, so I'll take them on Saturday and do it. She doesn't say no. She doesn't scream. She puts a fence. Her fence, laundry, is in the Saturday fence. Mom, I love you. I do. And I'll see you on Friday but I'll call you on Wednesday for a few minutes. Here's a big hug, Mom. Bye, Mom. Son, I know you love gaming. I know you love your bike. I know you love your electronic devices, and, and they'll be here waiting for you. When you show these actions of responsibility, when you're ready, I would love to give them back to you. But I'm sorry, right now they're mine. When the woman calls her up to direct the woman's thing that weekend, oh, I'm sorry, I, I would love to be able to do that. I, I'm just not available to do that. I really need some time myself. I need that woman's event for me at this moment. He stops, that woman calls her at work. And she looks at the number, it's the same chronic issue. She knows it's going to be it. And 
You know what she doesn't do? And this is going to sound very hurtful and hateful to some of you. She doesn't pick up the call. She doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you can applaud that. She just doesn't pick it up. It's not blocking her. And then when she prays up enough, she's going to have an uncomfortable conversation with her about the truth of her life. And she's going to help to get her help, the help that she needs. She's going to say, boss, the next time he brings her to PowerPoint to edit at the very last minute and the night before, boss, you know how I love my job and enjoy working for you, and this has been great, and I thank you for the opportunity. But I'm going to need two days in order to edit one of your PowerPoints. I need two days' time. I hope that that's okay with you. In all of these cases, it all sounded easy when I said it, in every single one of these cases, all of those people are going to push back. That's why we don't do it, right? Have you ever confronted somebody and say, I'm so sorry I did that, right? And they know it because they're like, that's how it sounds to me when people bark at me. I don't know how it sounds for you. I hear that. And I I just go like, I'm not going there again. And what they have done is broken down your boundary and walked over your fence line and done their business in your lawn. That's just the way it is. And until you stand at the gate, until you stand at the gate and enforce the gate rule, it is not going to change. As a matter of fact, it'll get worse. And you will be an angry person. You'll be mad at yourself. You'll be mad at other people. You will hold resentments in your life that you cannot shake. You will be spiritually dead. Because like Leona, you're just not going to have time. You're not having space for God. There's no boundary around your relationship with him. Your time with him is lost. It's all confused into other things. And so brethren, I just want to leave you with this. A boundary is going to help define you, who you are. This is who I am. You go to the house in your neighborhood or that apartment building, you say, that's where so-and-so lives. That's their place, and it's clearly defined. You can see the boundaries and the borders. A boundary helps define me who I am and who I'm not. Can we agree with that? You know, one of the hard things, I think, especially, I don't know, it's epidemic in church circles, has been with me, is that we spend so much time being what we think everybody wants us to be. We end up being no good to them and no good to ourselves and very unfruitful for the kingdom work. And brethren, we're going to change that. We are going to change it. Amen. Would you all rise with me? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, hear this. That, Father, that these words that have been spoken, you know, Lord, how desperately they're needed. And, Lord, you know that we are not capable of our own to take the pushback, to take on the rejection, to experience the hurt, the foul words, the horrible judgments that will be said. You know we can't do it. But Lord, we need help in this area of setting a boundary that you have set for us. And we ask you to do it, Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name.